Welcome to Eurocron, a podcast about people whose names you may not be familiar with now, but you will remember their stories. Hi, I'm Scott Pitney, the host for Eurocron. So, without further ado, let's jump right into our next extraordinary story. Okay, so where are we? We are in Huntsville, Huntsville, Texas. State Park. State Park. Park. Yep, it is uh, December 26th. We're with our good friends Blankety Blank and Blankety 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 Blank. Blank. We love y'all. They've chose to uh, stay unanimous. Unanimous, 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 unanimous. Yes. unanimous in that decision. We are unanimously <laughs> anonymous. Yes, and so they chose to not be famous, at least uh, by name. Anyway, famous. And we also have uh, Lavon over there who says she's not going to say anything. Nothing. Hi, Lavon. And she's holding oh, Shelby. True to her word. <laughs> Shelby, the new addition to the Pitney family. Hi, Shelby. Hi, uh, Shelby. Welcome to Eurocrom. She's <laughs> mad. She looked at you. Yeah, she's she knows. smoke is blowing in my face. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, is we have a beautiful on. fire going. It's yeah, about 50 it's gorgeous. degrees. Gorgeous weather today. Perfect. Uh, wrapping up a very interesting 2020. Oh, mm-hmm. 2020. Well, yeah. well meteorology is really interesting to me (laughs) we won't do anything like that i'm not going to talk any meteorology tonight not at all no we talk about anything and everything so who wants to go first okay i mean let's just put this all in perspective right what year would this have been this is almost 20 years ago so i was probably it's probably 19 i was probably 22 so 19 years ago 41 and what year would that have been babe Mm. if i was born in 97 what would that be? You weren't born in 97? Oh, I was born in 79. That's right. I get them flip-flop. Dyslexic. Here, dyslexic. Yeah. Well, that sort of explains why some of the decisions that were made in this story were made. With that, we're back with that, with that knowledge. Back, yeah, I want to go back to the fact that I was never diagnosed uh, as dyslexic, which my, my beautiful bride has di- diagnosed me at this point. So I'd like to go back and say everything I've ever done that was bad was because I was dyslexic. No, and I was walking around not, qual- you know, not, I wasn't. That's uh, not accurate. People with dyslexia don't do bad things. They're brilliant people. They are, yes. I just made bad decisions because I was dyslexic. Can you just so. get to the story? <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing needs to be deleted. Yeah, delete. All of that. That's so wrong. Well, we'll see. I don't know. That might be the best part of the podcast. This is the back and forth. Don't don't decide what you're going to edit too early. Okay. (laughs) So let's digress. Campfire confessions, right? 20 years ago would have been. 19 years ago. 2010. No. 2000. 2000. So this is. Okay, so this was was post 9 11. So this would have been. True. Oh, which is another reason. Yeah, this falls into the story, too, because this is right after 9-11 as well. Yeah, oh, true. makes it sound. Now, now more things are coming to me and in your audience out there. Understand, I, new revelations are just coming to me and I'm the one telling the story. <laughs> this is crazy. So, well, okay. th- this is therapy. There it is. OK, so give it to us. What happened? Yeah, John. <laughs> Joe. I don't know if I can tell a really good story, but this is, well, man, I just tell it. like to smoke a little weed. I did back in the day. I don't now. 
but back then smoked a little bit and had a spring break coming with my buddy my buddy mte we'll we'll leave it there hold on sorry sorry it's interrupting my lighter passing across the fire stop (laughs) he's giving the play-by-play giving a visual of (laughs) of the campfire This yeah. is going to be the best episode you've ever recorded, Scott. <laughs> Not <Wrong>. yet. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, well, let's get to. No, no, we're good. We're good. Okay, so to recap where we are so far, this is spring break, New Mexico. Good friend. Yes. Yeah, MTE. So we're meeting up. And he's coming from uh, Portales, so eastern New Mexico, and I'm coming from Las Cruces down south, you know, close to the border. And we're on our way to Del Rio, and we're going to go down there for the spring break, you know, and, and all, you know, I'm the a The spring break. The spring break of all spring breaks. We're going to hang out on, what's that lake down there? Lake Amstad. Um, Amistad. Yeah, Amstad, Amstad, however you want to say it. There's several. Amistad. <laughs> so, heading down there for spring break, and... Um, on the way, so we meet in Monahans. I remember we meet in Monahans, and I left my truck at a gas station. Really smart kid back then. <laughs> Just leave it at some random gas station in Monahans, Texas, while I drive down with my buddy in this rebuilt Corvette, which is beautiful, beautiful red Corvette. He did a lot of good work on, but again, he's hillbilly logic. So there's a lot of things that it looks good, but it just you're wondering how this thing actually runs. So we go. And we're thinking, oh well, let me back up. I spent a lot of time prepping for this trip because the only thing I wanted to do was smoke weed on this entire trip. And I was like, man, I'm just going to go stay high this whole week. This is going to be fantastic. I could actually tell you another story, which is even better when I go to Durango. It just doesn't involve the law. Durango, Del Rio. I see a pattern. I mean, we could build them into one, Scott. We could really make this worth something. Yeah. So... We, I spent I spent hours trying to get a hold of my dealer to find this shitty bag of swag weed, and it made me happy. And I was like, okay, I've got my spring break set, and I'm going. Well, get down there. We get close, and we're like, well, we're not meeting our friends, and they've got the place where we're supposed to stay. So, you know, we got to get a hotel for that night. So we're smart. You know, we put a lot of thought into this. So we say, you know, why not drive across the border? And find some cheap-ass hotel and stay there for the night and maybe walk around, you know, have some fun. I'm like, hell yeah, that sounds great, man. I'm going to be high. This is going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. Right? And my buddy tells me on the way, right before we get to the checkpoint, he's like, hey, man, you know, we should probably take that bag of weed and just kind of bury it out here somewhere. And then when we come back across, we'll pick it up. Smart guy. But not logical. Not logical at all. Because, again, we spent a lot of time trying to find this skunk ass seedy stem weed (laughs) so I want to take it with me I want to smoke it in Mexico that sounds like an adventure that in itself so hell we go across we find and it is it's like a a Motel 8 in (laughs) Motel 8 yeah in Acuna it was it was a it was an American branded you know whatever hotel yes they're in Acuna I think it's called Motel 6 whichever one no it was the super eight then okay it had the eight in there i can't remember yeah which one yeah i get the two numbers but i do know it had the eight in it it was the one with the eight you're half right on the yes and it was fantastic i mean it had clay walls it was everything i would imagine uh, a hotel would look like in acuna mexico and it was fantastic i mean I, I we walked the streets i smoked a joint blah 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 i'm having a good time 
wake up early the next morning because we got to cross back over into U.S., into my home country, my the fatherland. I, all I got to do is get back over to meet our friends, get ready for the week. This is day one, day one of spring break. Well, I decided to I smoke a weed a joint, you know, that morning. Just kind of ease the nerves. Kind of get ready for the day, you know, 6 a.m. Smoke a joint in the bathroom of the Super 8, Motel 8. Go on. We come up to the bridge. I'm high as a kite. Just, you know, enjoying life, though. We got the top down on this Corvette. <laughs> Red Corvette. <laughs> two two college-age kids who look like they're hungover and really struggling crossing the border at 7 a.m. in the morning well we draw attention and the guy comes over and talks to you know there's two uh, border agents one talks to MTE one comes and talks to me and they're just sitting there like okay hey you know y'all bring anything across the guy looks at me um sir son are, are you nervous sir is everything going on with you yes sir yes sir like, are you you got any narcotics or illegal substance no sir no he's like well would you mind stepping out of the car because your uh, your vein in your neck is popping out of your <laughs> neck you know boom boom yeah it's popping uh, out and I'm at this point now I'm freaking out I'm high it's early I'm still hungover and high and now I gotta step out and I hid the weed in my sock <laughs> in my shoe I thought that was smart. smart I think I'd heard I thought I'd heard about it somewhere that that was a good way to do it I was like oh that sounds great yeah so either way get across get arrested thrown into uh, the local basically a drunk tank you know in Del Rio Texas on the border Another story on that, Scott, we'll cover in another podcast. Why, you know, that's the, we could look that up and even find out who that guy was and like do a whole show on his murders and what, why he was in there, you know? Uh, yeah. You know I'm, the I'm, story. Yeah, yeah. Sub story, yeah, yeah, on this is really interesting. But yeah, well, t- tell that too. I mean, that's that's part oh, of it. Oh, no, what, but so no, that's another one. I but think so, it is. well, no, there's some dude who got arrested for murders and it was plural and it was a big commotion when he came in. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm a wero and a non wero para la, la país. So that kind of explains it to you. I'm a wero mm-hmm. in this place. And all of a sudden, everybody else speaking Spanish and kind of, you know, talking about some guy that has been brought into the jail. And apparently he had been wanted for a couple of murders, whatever, I guess. I don't know. I guess that's a. That's a serial killer. I mean, more than one would be, right? Yeah. Or just a, a mass murderer? I don't know. What would you call that guy? Mul- more mul- than one person. Yeah, multi-murderer. Multi-murderer. Yeah. Hmm. Whatever. So a lot of commotion. Bad guy. Bad guy. Not a good guy, right? And so I do remember they had all these drunk cages, like 15 people in each one. And when he came in, they dispersed that one cell into all the others. So four cells, they took that one and dispersed it into the three. And he got his own all by himself. And, like, people knew who he was. And I was so glad to get the hell out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I don't know. It was like 12 hours. And then finally, Michael came and got my ass out. I don't know how probably bailed me out too many times to say but thank you mte for getting me out that day and then all that has to go come back to the story that we every time we go anywhere we get carded and we know we get taken to the side for to ask um if you got anything on you you know we're always red flagged if we travel anywhere which is fun because we kind of get to go to the front of the line and 
I get it. I brought weed across. Here's the thing. It's, uh, it's interesting. I brought weed across the border, so I guess I could be considered a smuggler. But it was a dime bag of very, very bad weed. and That you got in the United States. That I bought in the U.S. and decided to take into Mexico and then back out of Mexico again. Mm-hmm. That was smart. The yes. irony. Right, yeah. I mean... Don't let your kids do drugs, people. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't try take it into Mexico and then bring you know bring try to back. bring it back. Mm-mm. But no, I mean let's let's talk about. It. I mean it's been a it's been a pleasant thing. We went on a cruise, whole family, right? And when we were getting ready to unboard, right? And it's Sorry, it, if you've ever cruised, you know that it's a horrible thing to get off the boat. Mm-hmm. And we were in one of the last ones, and they actually called my name over the intercom uh, before they even started un- un- unloading, <laughs> unloading like cattle. Yeah, get off the boat. But brought us right to a little private room, searched my bag, and then let us off. We went right to the front of the line. So, so and it so happens a lot. So a dime bag can get you, you a, a pre-TSA. It can get you a pre-TSA. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's pre-check. A, yeah, pre-TSA check. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. That's. <laughs> What's that company that charges a lot of money so that you can clear, fly like clear. that? Clear. This is a different one. Yeah. Now we're just going to start a new yeah. business where we allow. Hey, if you've ever been busted with Bud, man, yeah, we can help you. <laughs> we'll get you to the front of the line. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Pitney Properties. Pitney Properties provides real estate services to buyers and sellers located in and around the Houston area. Having been raised in Texas, LaVon Pitney is incredibly well-versed in the area's housing market and always manages to find her clients those hidden gems that other agents tend to overlook. LaVon's relentless style and integrity allow her to hold client satisfaction at her highest priority. She works hard to make the entire home buying and selling experience as is productive and enjoyable as possible. Whether her clients are first-time buyers or seasoned investors, LaVon works tirelessly to accommodate their needs and exceed their expectations. To learn more about LaVon's real estate services, please don't hesitate to call her today at 713-805-8871. That's 713-805-8871. Or contact LaVon at sold at Pitney Properties. Okay, but serious question. So pots obviously being legalized and as it does some of those laws and convictions and that kind of stuff are going to be obsolete so how do you feel about your case in particular do you think if that happens they should go back and just undo everything that was done and with current law how do you where do you stand on that no, I don't think that you can actually go back and undo what has been done for all that, though, Scott. I mean, that's a deep question. You know, legally, I don't think you can go back and like expunge my record for that. I, I think that's double. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, well, it's on your record, but as far as you know, all this red flagging and stuff, you still <laughs> go through. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of an interesting topic 
You're is. talking about you know what what goes on with the current laws when things get legalized and how does all that work? Well, and... I wish they were legalized whenever I was that young. I mean, honestly, yeah, I sure. wish that would have been the the case and I wouldn't have gotten arrested. It would have just been okay. But uh, um, you have to have some laws in place, and and I broke the law and I knew I did it. But so it so like with this these new things coming in, you know, so the federal government came out and said it, there's not going to be any federal crime for possession or just marijuana right for the that's the way i understand it but that's that's federal that's not state by state so each state still has their own rights to kind of decide what takes place that being said i mean that little misdemeanor c misdemeanor that i received you know it it's haunted me through all this you know i i make, I make light that hey we get to go to the front of the lines but man i've uh missed out on jobs and things because of that now again consequences to my actions i did that knowing that it was against the law and i got caught yeah well i guess i've got to deal with that so i don't know i, I kind of go back and forth on the whole uh you know where are we at with this law because i decided to break the law and i paid the consequences but they have been shitty consequences at times and for something that i think should have been legal a long time ago so does that make you a little more hypersensitive to um the laws pay attention to the laws today as far as i don't know drinking driving what whatever you're doing um because of what you went through i mean back then it was such a in your mind you know as a kid just not a big decision at all i'm just going to try to take a little weed and hmm. you know and it's, it's something that's had 20 years plus ripple effects mm -hmm. so does it make you a little more hypersensitive to, to uh laws now I think it makes me not want to be a dumbass and make dumbass decisions. So, you know, I mean, we really want to, yeah, so, I mean, I, I made dumbass decisions then. I mean, who the hell, what the hell was I thinking taking a, a bag of weed across? I mean, yeah, I should have buried it and got rid of it before I even went. Uh, you know, I guess you could go back to that. I shouldn't have ever even had it or been smoking, but that's that's up for discussion and that's up for <laughs> right i mean yeah we don't want to get too deep no um you know we're already in the deep dark forest so let's mm -hmm. not go any further but uh, uh yeah there there are some interesting subcategories of topics mm -hmm. that go go along with that because we've all done dumb things and most of us haven't been caught you know right yeah <laughs> i mean you're, you got caught, so there's there's that group too. So. Yeah, yeah. And now but have it, family. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I think it just made me be smarter though about things. I mean that that whole experience made me be, hey, you don't don't be a dumbass type of thing. Right. You know, and that was a period of my time or my life too. That was pretty. You know, I think I was a little bit out of control. A lot of weed and drinking and all that. And. uh Hell, I was living a good life. <laughs> life was good. I was 22 or 20, whatever, and not caring about anything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. The 20s. Oh. Right? Well, and it's funny because some people don't have those 20s that I experienced because my beautiful bride over here was raising a baby girl at that time. So, you know, different experiences. My 20s are completely different than, than my bride over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> and introducing John, John's wife. John. Baby doll. Hello. Baby doll. 
Baby doll. Yeah. What's happening, baby doll? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> How are you holding up tonight? It's incredibly <laughs> difficult <laughs> to be me. These are tough circumstances. They are. Out here in the wilderness. Yeah. Which is absolutely packed <laughs> with COVID-fearing yes. folks, understandably. Understandably. I mean, of course. It's, it is. It's like the walking dead. <laughs> Trailers everywhere, right? It is. They're going to come after us. Stand. It's only a matter of time. It's We're out here now. getting our vitamin D. <laughs> You you have you have a story. Oh, do I? You have a lot of stories. Gosh, 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 gosh. Where do we start? I don't even know. What's the best story? You want to talk about your modeling career? Oh. Oh, that gets. Those were some times. I was young. I was just a kid. I was living in. Um, technically, I guess my apartment was in Jersey City, New Jersey. And, uh, but I was working in the city, New York City, and uh, we'd make our way across on the PATH train, which is connected to the subway system. And I went up in World Trade Center 1 every morning. That's, that's where I went. That's freaky. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what year are we in, roughly? We're in 1998. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, so... We live in Jersey City. We have this apartment, and we're on the top story of the apartment. And um, there was, like, tornado activity, thunderstorms, which is really unusual for a New York City area. And, like, me and the girls, like, I live with other models. One night we're, like, sitting out, and, and it's like our, I don't know, like a bay window in our bedroom and we're looking out at World Trade Center, one and two on the left, and you see the Statue of Liberty on the right. Because we're looking over from Jersey City into Manhattan. Wow. And there's all these tornadoes. The the weathermen are going crazy. And, um, yeah, we all sat there and talked about what would happen if a tornado hit the World Trade Center. And we were, like, so sad and worried about, like, janitorial staff that are working in the middle of the night. I mean, this is the middle of the night. There's not even people there. And we were talking about how it would close down the world economy if this trade center was hit. And we would have never thought that a few years later. Three years. Three years before later. Before 9-11, mm-hmm. you were having this conversation. Yeah. That's crazy. It was just incredible. I, 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 always, I always get back to that because the day of 9-11, when I was getting calls and couldn't get through to people, that's the conversation that came back to me. Yeah. It was like, whoa, like we talked about this. But we talked about it in a very different nature. I mean, we're talking about the middle of the night with minimal staff, but then also how that would, yeah, how that would impact the economy because of the type of businesses that were there. I mean. Just something destroying the World Trade Center is freaky enough. It seemed completely crazy and it just seemed like something out of like, I don't know, like a sci-fi movie. Like it couldn't be that the World Trade Center would be exposed. So when you first saw those images, fast forward to, to 9-11, mm-hmm. I mean, was it 
what were you thinking then? So that day I had, um, so I lived in an apartment. I was back in Texas in college. Um, I was on my way to a college class and I remember walking through my apartment complex and people had their windows open that day, but I could hear everybody had the news on and I could hear the news. I just knew something was going on. I get into my car and I turn on my like local radio station and I hear them talking about something about that the World Trade Center had been hit and I thought it was a like they were making a joke. Like this is a morning talk show. So I thought they were trying to make a joke and I remember saying to myself like that's a sick joke. I'm not listening and I turned my radio off. Mm. And I went on to, to class. And when I arrived at class, um, it was like an auditorium style classroom. Um, a lot of people, underclassmen, and they had the news on, you know, and our professor came in and said that he just, he couldn't teach. Mm. And I'm still just like grappling with the idea of what's happening and it takes me a little while and I get information from other people in the class and then we're watching the news where we see the second tower being hit and that's when it hit me yeah I that's when it hit me too when I saw that second tower hit I mean you know it's not an accident no it was real and then and then another part that freaked me out too was when they cut to the pentagon Mm -hmm. And the damage there, and yes. all, oh my gosh, there! This is a planned and and a very and I, serious attack. Being, um, I was in Katy when I got the news that day, and I was looking out the window toward Pasadena. I really mm-hmm. thought they'd start hitting our refineries if this was yes. some, mm-hmm. you know, nationwide t- type of thing. But gosh, that was a horrific, scary day at the same time. But anyway, yeah, I think everybody our age would remember where you were at during that time you know and it's you know it, it's interesting that we're getting into a new generation of, pe- of people our, our kids that you know don't remember that and it's probably the same way from the generation prior you know the for um when for pearl harbor you know we grew up not you know not uh, living in during that time and oh. yeah that's a, well, i was born in 62 and kennedy assassination was a year so i was about a year old it's in november of 63 and uh, of course obviously don't remember anything but that was one of those events that people would know exactly what they were doing and my mom knows tell me the story uh, um you know this was 1963 and they're you know, a young couple and everything. She had to run down. She heard the news from a neighbor. She had to run down to the store to rent a black and white TV to listen to the news. To rent one. Rent a to TV. rent a black and white TV. From, from like a convenience store. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. do you think this will be, the pandemic will be like the, the thing for our kids to remember then? I mean, because I guess we all have these major events that take place that we do live through and remember. You know, or alive with. I mean, or is this one of those things that goes down for all of us to remember? <laughs> yeah, that's a interesting question. Like, yeah, where were you when yeah. the pandemic? When the like when you got shut down? Came. Yeah, yeah. And of course, a lot of it depends on your age, and you know how close you were to somebody that that had it or. Yeah. You know, passed away from it and right. there's 
Yeah, a lot of. Um, but that is truly something that has affected all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, there's that is a rare event. I mean, to affect everybody in one country. Mm-hmm. But affect everybody on the on a global scale. I mean, it has affected. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Earth. Yeah. Global scale, but something that um, large yeah. and widespread. It's. The ripple effects from this will will be interesting. Yeah. Because you know, honestly, I didn't really. I heard of the Spanish flu before, and right. but I didn't really think about it at all. It's probably in a history class or something. But then all of a sudden, this comes along, and we're all deep diving into the Spanish flu because we're trying right. to get answers for our current circumstances. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's crazy. I mean, we, we were just talking about how back in her day when they were saying that. Uh, you know, if that tornado had hit one of those, oh, I'm sorry, just tell a story. We're talking over here. Mm-hmm. Saying yeah. my name. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not her name. <laughs> that's Nettie. So, yeah, we'll, we'll figure I'll, I'll like edit, that, I believe yeah. all the old shit. Leave I'm going to send y'all. No, I'm going to let y'all edit this one. I'm going to send y'all the deal, and you just tell me what to cut out. <laughs> just time stamp everything, please. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so you're sitting there wondering about how you know if the trade if the trade centers got got hit, it would shut down, you know, business and world population or world incomes and things like that. And yeah, it did. You know, whenever those planes hit, it did, and then a virus did too. That's what's crazy is that a a virus was just as bad as you know some of these other major events that are worse. worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody around this campfire, I think, can attest to, like, some loss from it. Yeah. I mean, my cousin, who was born with a brain defect from birth, lived to 52. He well, wasn't he supposed to live to 12, but COVID took him in his, you know, assisted living facility. Wow. We've all lost. No, I, I, I don't know. Everybody's lost. He also suffered from... Uh, pneumonia prior to COVID coming. So there's been a lot of loss that has been just, you know, COVID just took advantage of of those pre-existing conditions, which really does suck that it was that, I mean, that it could, that something like that could do that to this world population. But, you know, as scary as that is, you know, there's more people that have survived. I think that not trying to downplay anything about the vaccine, but just to be put an optimistic look on things because all we ever hear is doom and, you know, hey, the world's ending. Well, it's not, hey, a lot of people survive it. We're going to get through it, right? You know, it's put some positive thought into it and look at it. Just more people survive. Yeah, it sucks that some people have died and a lot of people have died, you know, but a lot of people have survived it too. And, as bad as this thing has been, it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Mm-hmm. And we got a uh, vaccine out in record time. Hallelujah for that. Well, did we or did uh, <laughs> our president? <laughs> well, I personally didn't have anything at all to do with I this. So I, it's not, 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 nobody around this campfire, uh, we uh, yeah. meaning the United States is yeah. what I was referring to. Yes, but yeah. that's a good point. And you know how he did it? Yeah. Go ahead. This is Levon. This. I thought you were. Oh, 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 we're 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 talking politics. She is going to talk now. All right, go ahead, babe. (laughs) Well, normally in the federal government, you have to go in phases to get a vaccine or some cancer treatment or something 
approved. And yet the gun phase is ask the government for money and they come back again, second phase, it's a long process. So normally a vaccine or something, a drug will take about seven years. So what Trump did is as a business guy, he took the gamble and said, we're gonna give you all the money up front. You don't have to come here in phases to get it. And that's okay. why it got approved. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, it's, that's, he fast-tracked the whole process. Mm-hmm. The process he held back the science. The yeah, the Democrats talk about science, but the process of the go- our government, no. it uh, it slows the, the process slows the science down. Mm-hmm. It does. And I, and my, this is speaking to my, my brother and his and his wife, my, my sister-in-law, are both PhDs and doctors, and they, they you know, both of them are research PhD people, you know, so they work at a university, but they're research people, and they're both essentially looking for the cure for cancer, right, in different ways. My brother works on some um, hormonal things within sheep that have led to, like, some uh, cancer-causing things. But so he's looking into this. But at the end of the day, they're both researchers trying to find a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. And all every time they want to go and get a grant or anything like that to continue their research, the amount of red tape and, and what they have to do, which is great because we want we want to make sure those we're giving the money to the right people. If we're the government, that's our money. You know, as civilians, we that's our money that we're going to give to people. But to get real work done, you know, it takes years and years because it just gets caught up in bureaucratic mess and that's that's sad yeah but not this time not this time no it did not nope mm. and it's, you know I'm, I'm skeptical right I, mean, I don't know it are seems you? to be I, why, why are you skeptical I was because I, I well I don't get the flu shot Scott so I'm, <laughs> you know unless they require me to get this thing which then brings up a whole another thing are they allowed to require me to get it but they also require me to have certain vaccinations and things like that if I want to leave the country I have to have certain shots today so that's not you know they require you to wear a seatbelt. is that going to be you know like uh, in 10 years they require you to wear a mask I don't know Where, where do we go with all that this whole COVID-19 has brought up a lot of serious issues that we're going to have to, to face for the next decades. And your thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> so you were a model in New York, and what what can you share what you do today? Because I think it's so fascinating, but, <laughs> you know, it may be too specific. I don't know. Your call. I'll be open. So I test children for learning disabilities or intellectual disabilities. And why is that the perfect job? Because of your background, it's like the best of both worlds for you, right? Yeah, it is because I've um, worked in social work and have helped children in dire situations. Um, I worked in um, child death investigation where children were passed and just trying to find the answer for how this happened and making sure their siblings would be safe. Um, I also worked in uh, probation where I dealt with, you know, a whole spectrum of, of people um, suffering from mental illness that had broken the law and were out on their own and had children that were suffering. 
and I worked in um, <laughs> um, oh how about working for the rape crisis center when I did forensic interviewing um, for children that had witnessed murder or had been molested um, just horrible. Uh, just horrible situations story like I just saw in my early years of social work I just saw all these children hurting um, the worst kind of hurt that exists in humanity and then when I was working at a rape crisis center I became the program director of education and I started going out into the schools and teaching children healthy children um, you know how to say no for lack of a better word I mean educating kids that sometimes it is okay to tell an adult no yeah. Um, I mean, we teach our kids so often um, that you don't tell adults no, but there are some adults that a child should feel comfortable with saying no to. But anyways, there's a lot to that. Um, but yeah, just years and years of being exposed to children in complete tragic situations and then going into the schools and teaching these healthy children these things. So I got into teaching and I was able to eventually merge my love of education and teaching healthy children, but also trying to help kids into finding this way of um, getting into a job where I can help identify children with disabilities and get them the help that they need in the education system. And it's just really kind of an amazing marriage of very two different worlds of, mm. of my occupations passions. yeah my passions true that is awesome do you think the election was rigged <laughs> oh, oh that's swing. a Look at funny Look question at well y'all are anonymous what the hell uh-huh. um yeah I guess I do I'm like not normally a conspiracy theorist I usually don't buy into this far left or this far right thing um but there's too many anomalies statistically to make sense like it can't make sense of it from an educated viewpoint so yeah I'm guessing something bad happened and John <laughs> I know you have some thoughts on this question and topic well I, I look at it from a lot of different angles though I mean I, I do agree with my my beautiful bride that I don't think that as many statistical errors that I see and just crazy things that happened you know because I stayed up and watched it and um, I'm not going to go right one way or the other but you know I had an interest and hope for one side and um, man it, it just changed like in minutes and there were so many crazy things that happened during that time you know like uh, these states are stopping counting this this is happening you know they're reporting about um, this is live this is live action this isn't like post things this was happening one there was people placing placards over windows so people couldn't see into the counting rooms I was like why are they doing that and then to you know that was the night of and then you know kind of go into the weeks and now months and geez how long has this been going on a long time now it seems um and there's just been so many so much that has come out that um 
I have to believe that there was something nefarious going on. And with as much crazy stuff that has happened over the last four years, you know, I'm just, I, man, I'm, I don't know. I, I think something, I think both sides are so corrupt that it's hard to, to, to think that something corrupt did not happen. Yeah, and you had an interesting take when we were talking at lunch about this topic and um, that even if it was a rigged election that they would suppress the news, the U.S. would. You know what I'm talking about? Which one now? There's a car coming by. Let's not forget my earlier story, so we understand who I am. (laughs) I'm down bad. I'm down bad. All right. So, which story? No, we. Lunch when we were talking about the rigged elections, and you were saying that if uh, if it did happen, you know, if it was found that the U.S. did have a rigged election, they would probably suppress the news oh. anyway. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, so I don't think that there's so many people with a lot of power and a lot of money that can control these things, and, and I don't think that I, I trust our Supreme Court people, everyone on that's in there, but, uh, you know, I think they also have to protect the image of the Constitution. And I think if they ever came out and it was identified that, hey, you know, it's okay if a, a foreign government interferes, we'll investigate that and look into it. But we can't let this out that it, this happened from within. And this was our own countrymen doing this. And I, I don't think if if there was a rigged election, either one way or the other, I don't think they would want to let it out that it was done from internal, internal people. I mean, United States citizens, our people, our people, you know, and I, I, don't, I don't think that they can't r- risk that. All that being said, I also go back to this that, hey, you know, the, the Trump supporters were very loud and proud for years and every rally. I mean, they, he had a lot of support and people were out there being loud and proud. And I, I honestly think one way to look at it, too, devil's advocate is, you know, we always claim to be the silent minority or majority, silent majority. Well, maybe this time. It wasn't because those that voted for uh, Joe Biden were silent. And all we heard was Trump support, Trump support, big rallies, big rallies, all this going on. And maybe there was another silent majority this time. Or it was rigged as shit. And I think that's probably what happened. It was a, it was a basement majority. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went full circle to get the answer on that question. Yeah. Yep. Justin thinks it's rigged. Yep. Rigged. <laughs> uh, like carnival game. I mean, shit. How many carnival games y'all been to? I mean, one you can win, not one. Yeah, that is true. That is true. If in a hundred years. Yeah someone is listening to this recording what do you want to tell them how do you want to be remembered hmm. this is your legacy question uh-oh. John's wife uh oh oh I think it's pretty simple I think that we spend a lot of time worrying about the things that we have and Instead, I think we should worry about the moments that we have. And um, 
for me, I think any legacy I could leave to my children or my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren would be to just make the most out of moments, as cliche as it may sound. Um, Because the material things, they just come and go. It just kind of depends. So, yeah, it's about moments. Um, Sidebar for me on that. Mm -hmm. You brought me back to what I was believe raising my kids because growing up myself there's a few gifts I remember but very few but I remember every trip Mm -hmm. our family took so and what do trips bring but moments yeah Yeah. moments memories I mean like we're, we're camping right now and what I'm thinking about you know when we walk the dogs along the trails and we see other campers I think about you know being a pop-up tent trailer with my folks or um, the motorhomes I see I remember you know going over to my grandparents motorhome I mean that's that's what brings us back is these memories they're very rich um, and they didn't take a lot of money so yeah holy shit really we spend a lot of money to to live like we poor baby (laughs) that's funny so john (laughs) if in a hundred years someone digs this recording out of the ground and plugs it into something and listens to it what would you like to tell them how would you like to be remembered? I, what message message do you want to share with future generation generations? And maybe even people from other planets, because we don't know. <laughs> For sure. Oh, For sure. Uh, yeah. And obviously. Who knows? By that time, there could be aliens that find it, and we're talking to them. Oh, dear. Yeah. I would definitely aliens recommend. Aliens and aliens, I do uh, not. You don't believe in interesting. R2-D2? No. R2-D2 is not an alien. (laughs) Oh, that just offends my Star Wars soul. (laughs) That's true. He's not. He's a droid. I know. I'm just being funny. But not the droids, the droid you're looking for. Yes. No, not that one. So anything you want to tell the world (laughs) a hundred years from now? John. I hope I've given him enough. I would say... um, we're sitting here at a state park burning a fire. You know, we're sitting in the outdoors. There's nothing like being in this beautifully created area and not surrounded by, uh, you know, city and everything like that. Somewhat of what this place used to look like before um, before man walked. And that's, get out and see that. Dude, get some sunshine. Get outside. Be outdoors doors as much as you possibly can because aliens are going to come get your ass (laughs) (laughs) or you're going to get arrested at the border at the border yeah and then definitely play a freaking grateful dead album i would definitely recommend something from europe 72 put that on it's great stuff man do that and sit outdoors Listen to that in an album and just sit outdoors, and your life will be fantastic. A hundred years from now? Yeah, the Grateful Dead will still be going. <laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you both for being on your cron. <laughs> and to you all, a good night. Good night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>